Welcome to the Frontier Psychiatrist podcast, and we have something really exciting to talk about. I'm Dr. Owen Muir. I'm a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, and I'm joined by my friend, Jeremy Fox. Great to be here with you, Owen. And, and Jeremy, you are professionally a licensed professional counselor. And you're in Georgia. Yes, uh, I am. I'm here in, in Brooklyn, New York, and we are both enthusiasts for the future of better healthcare, particularly things that are cause real suffering of the mind. This morning, I woke up to a press release, and the press release was from a clinical trial, a phase 2B trial from a company called Mind Medicine. I'll start by setting it up and saying, generalized anxiety disorder. What do we do? Like right now, you're a therapist. Someone comes to you and they're anxious and what? So lots of CBT, lots of examining what the anxiety provoking thoughts might be, maybe some desensitization with EMDR of what they're catastrophizing, like a flash forward protocol, something like that. So you do something. Yes. But like how many people are anxious when they come into your office? They're my office is pretty soothing. They're usually pretty anxious about what goes on outside the office. It's a big problem. Mm -hmm. And everyone says depression, anxiety, like it was the same thing. For someone who comes in with anxiety, what's the time frame you'd expect a, a therapy to take to really bring them significant relief? If they're going to do well, like how long does it take to do some good? A great question. Depending on the severity of the anxiety, we may be looking at a few months. If we do every week, maybe two months for some decrease, depending on the therapy I do. But it's not going to be instantaneous typically, right? Yeah. Generalized anxiety disorder. This is persistent worry or anxiety. Yes. Okay about a number of areas that are out of proportion to the impact of the events. Overthinking plans and solutions, possible worst case scenarios. This is from Mayo Clinic. Perceiving situations as threatening even when they're not. It's being on guard. Additional symptoms can be feeling keyed up or worried, feeling muscle tension, it living in your body, having difficulty sleeping, insomnia. It's pervasive. It makes your life worse. And so the big news this morning, they took people and they enrolled them in a clinical trial. Briefly, clinical trials. We have phase one is the compound or intervention tolerable in humans who don't have the illness. So can you give the drug to, to a human? That's a phase one trial. Uh, lots of work goes on before phase one in preclinical studies and animal models, but you want to give a drug to somebody and have them not die. Luckily in LSD, people have been doing that recreationally for a really long time. So it was safe. Phase two is a dose finding phase. So these studies are not powered to show a difference between active and placebo agent, but they are generally done to figure out what dose we should use in the phase three trial, which is the definitive trials. We have to do two of those for a new approval. You have to get a, an outcome twice, so it's not just a random coin flip. But phase 2B, generally not powered to show a difference. So if we see a difference, it's a big deal. And so this is results on a phase 2B study. They got a difference with an effect size. Get ready for it. 0.88 standard deviations. Ugh. Now, okay. that's big. Now, we're science nerds. Can you give a definition of like how big that is relatively for the audience? So if it's an 8, 1 would be just almost impossible, right? So a 0.8, like we're moving towards so significant, like, it's one of the larger ones out there. And so in if it was a drug for height, the standard mm -hmm. deviation in height is 2.5 inches for an American male. 
So like an SSRI in your first episode of depression is about a 0.5. Abilify augmentation, 0.2. Lithium in bipolar disorder, 0.7. ECT, 0.8. And this is in a phase two study, not power to show a difference at all. It still showed a difference. And it was a huge difference, 0.88. So this is among the most effective treatments plausibly in psychiatry if replicated of all time. Wow. The statistical significance for the nerds, the p-value is 0.0004. So the chance that this is a fluke is low. 50% clinical remission at four weeks. So the design of this is important because they gave people one dose. Mm. That's it. Just one. One. And they observed them for 12 hours. There's no therapy involved. Okay. And half of the people didn't have anxiety anymore four weeks later in the 100 milligram dose group. Now they did a bunch of different doses. They did a little tiny dose. They did up to 200, but no significant adverse events in the entire study, over 100 people. And half of the people didn't have any anxiety anymore after getting one dose of a drug. That's it. What happened with the other half? Did the- 78% got 50% or greater reduction in symptoms. And of those, half in the 100 milligram group had no anxiety anymore. Mm. This is something that's typically just unheard of, right? In any of these studies, we hedge and it, we, we talk about modest success and with medication, again, effect sizes are much smaller. Typically, we heard of a point two. We're hearing about where we're hoping something was works a little bit. We're going to eke out some kind of improvement here, and that's better than nothing. They have to do a lot of positive thinking when even interpreting medical results. You have to yeah. use CBT to interpret them. Well. <laughs> we have to, to- tolerate our distress around how right. modestly so you're responding this, well. Right. But this is something that is undeniable, and, and we can't really ignore it. I find it fascinating that this is coming, that this release comes out similarly close to when we've talked about the SAINT study. So for our listeners, just that neuromodulation, the TMS that's guided by AI, like all of these new revolutionary models of treatment, whether through electromechanical means like TMS or biological ingestion like this, they're all coinciding together here and triangulating with these massive new improvements. I'm I'm excited. It seems like you're finding, we're, we're texting back and forth, and you're finding something new and revolutionary in this field every few weeks now. And I have to say, I'm getting a little pumped. It's really exciting because I'm, I was sick of the question, how will I know if it's working? Bingo. Yes. Right? If you had a, a, a heart transplant, you'll have a new heart and you won't be dead. That's how yes. you will know it. It shouldn't be a, a small difference. Here, what we're looking at is that the math on what we're going to need to do to figure out if this works is very mm-hmm. much in our favor because if you treat very few people with it, mm-hmm. what you find is there's a huge difference. And there's a huge difference fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Small of the sample. Yeah. It is it'll be interesting to to interview these patients and 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 hear what they have to say. I'm, I'm gonna be excited to read more about it. 
um, and about how people attribute this change. It's, it's so rapid. And when someone does a psychotherapy, there's slower gains and they develop a new way of thinking. And that can, there could be a creep to that, right? Where it's just slowly treading upward and there's not really this light, this epiphany moment. Sometimes there is, especially with trauma treatment and with some EMDR work, I'll have clients have epiphanies, but with something like this, it's nothing but that it's, you were feeling horribly, you took one dose of something, you have a complete cessation and elimination of symptoms. I think it's even what, what, what's fascinating to me is what therapists are going to have to do is going to be different. Yes. I'm thinking of that too. I'm wondering what that's going to look like. I think that there's going to be a whole lot of therapy. There's no assisted therapy here. Right. This is drug, observed, wait. Mm -hmm. And what we saw was remission. And it happened fast and it was durable. Now, it doesn't mean you don't want to talk about that experience and make sense of it. Because if you've been gripped by anxiety for years and nothing has worked and suddenly that's not a thing gripping you anymore, that's a change. And I think there's going to be a, a, a whole school of psychotherapy necessary to help people make sense of what now. That's yes, a hundred percent. Immediately, I think of the fact that when I'm working with clients through EMDR therapy, which is just that desensitization of intrusive negative imagery and emotions, clients will say, it's so wild that I'm done with this and I don't feel it the same. This has been so much of my identity. Who am I without this? Sometimes I'm immediately thinking of the who am I without my anxiety, especially for someone whose neuroticism is very global. Like generalized anxiety disorder is for the old Freudian heads out there, very much related to this idea of neuroticism, right? Of, of hand-wringing and thinking of the worst that can happen. And this generalized, it's not panic attacks, which feel like you're going to die, having a heart attack, specific triggers, generalized anxiety. It's what it sounds like. There's the tendency to feel on edge. And then whatever your mind captures when you're in that state, it perseverates, it obsesses on. And so when that's gone, a significant amount of your mental RAM will be spent on different things and it will feel new and weird, like learning to ride a bike. And so where do we go from there? And where do we reallocate that emotional energy? And how does that look? And how odd does that feel? Yeah. It's a little bit like you've been trying to, but falling off a skateboard repeatedly. And then you realize there's a car right next to you who've been driving the whole time. Yes. <laughs> to go, I can just get, I can just get in that. Okay, sweet. So that, that was the exciting thing I want to talk to you about. And thanks for joining me for the Frontier Psychiatrist podcast. There's a newsletter also. It's pretty good. It's got to say. It's okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. It, this was born originally as a clubhouse room back mm. when that was a thing. And Jeremy was one of the original members of the team that brought those conversations to the world. So it's really fun for me to have it come full circle and welcome people like, like Jeremy. I actually had a guest post today by another a physicist who wrote a column Ooh. about randomness in GAD treatment. Perfect timing. Oh. And, and so I'm excited to have it be a broader conversation and bring in brilliant and thoughtful people like Jeremy Fox to talk about the better future that's in front of all of us. Here's the thing I want to end on. For any of my listeners out there who are in charge of a billions in healthcare spend, because there are some of those in Medicaid populations. The problem with Medicaid from a financial standpoint is people are, by definition, not well off, and they don't stay on the plan long. Because unlike Medicare, when you become 65, you stay older than 65. You can go on and off of Medicaid. 
And that means they only have 1.4 years on a health plan. So if something's going to work and generate any savings, it's got to work now from a money mm -hmm. standpoint. Faster treatments matter a lot <laughs> in those populations. If we're going to prescribe for something and we're going to pay for it, we need to get the results right away. Yes. And I would suspect that people who are covered by Medicaid in the U.S., and any plan where value matters, they want to feel better faster. The plan needs them to feel better faster. And now suddenly doctors, patients, and even the most persnickety of health plans have incentives that are financially aligned with that of people feeling. Imagine that. And so I think we talked about St. Stanford Accelerated Intelligent Neuromodulation Treatment, fMRI guided work with transcranial magnetic stimulation. Now we have, you know, coming down the pike. MM120 and LSD analog. We have the PRISM system that's coming up. We'll be talking about vagal nerve stimulation that has, I actually have to go to ship a vagal nerve stimulator right after this. And that's got migraine, cluster headache, which is a huge deal, suffering, hemicrania continua, which has almost no other treatments. And they have a breakthrough status on PTSD. Look, there's so many big deal things. And so I'm really excited to have Jeremy join me. And, and this has been the Frontier Psychiatrist Podcast. Great to be here. I'm Dr. Owen Muir, thefrontierpsychiatrist.com.